Welcome, everybody, to the PFFA pod. This is a discussion with myself, Kyle McLowry, and President Fershweiler. We're going to be talking about a lot of the same things that are going to be discussed at Monday's informational meeting at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. On, on Monday, okay. Uh, and this is an, instead of a general membership meeting on Monday? Yeah. So, unfortunately, with COVID, we're still not able to hold people indoors. Right. And so we're looking at September, our next general membership meeting. So we're going to do a... Uh, informational session, 9 a.m. on Monday. And what's, how is that structurally different than a membership meeting? Uh, we don't do any membership meetings in, um, live. Uh-huh. So in terms of approving minutes, uh, stuff okay. like that okay. doesn't happen. You so, still have reports to of the officers? Or are you just going to kind of give a, a presidential spiel? Yeah, I'll just do it from the top down. So okay. not trying to uh, take credit for the work they're doing, but I'll just give the full report. Okay. Yep. All right. So hopefully this will reach uh, people that may not be able to make it on Monday. Yes. So we can get the information out. Um, I've got a, a short list of topics to get to. We'll see how, what we can do in the next 30 minutes. Uh, a moment ago you said you might want to start with the schedule. Do you want to start with the schedule then? Sure. Uh, yeah. 2021, what a start for us. And uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us this morning. Um, you know, I'm sure, as you've heard, we've had quite a few things going on. And we always joke and say this is going to be a – time that we can catch up and stuff mm, like that. And I remember never, that. Yeah, it never does happen. No. But um, it definitely hit the ground running. And one of the things I'm really proud of is last year we actually started working on the budget. So right. uh, Isaac, me, Christy Miles, who does our uh, PR, right. we were all starting to get together and plan for this type of a budget event back in November. Right. You could see the writing on the wall. There's going to be a significant budget. I mean, they're all significant. Yep. according to the city, but this one looked like it was going to be a little more serious. Yeah, and so and then we got the mayor's guidance, and luckily we had already started to get our plan in place, and mm-hmm. I got to say it's, it executed uh, exactly how we wanted okay. it to. We're going to get to the budget. Okay. Let's take to the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, we've had a significant uh, number of things uh, here at the union and um, litigation-wise, and I'll give you the example is in the past three or four weeks, we finished up three significant litigations, and then we have one more uh, litigation going on in June. The first was the dive team ULP. So we did complete that. Um, It was a one-day hearing. We put on our case. You know, unfortunately, I think that that is going to be one that we're going to have uh, difficulty winning. Um, Our contract language, unfortunately, is not as tight as what we would like it to be, and the city is pretty much saying that they have the right to abolish the dive team. And we're not saying that they don't have the right to. What we're trying to prove to the judge is that they have to actually talk about the compensation and the impacts to pension retirement to do that. And so that really was the crux of the case that we were saying. And that, I'm trying to remember some of the timeline here. That was part of the the big ULP, the one we used to call the Omnibus ULP. That was just one of the pieces. Yes. Remind me what year that was filed. It was filed in 2014. I was going to say 2012. Okay, 2014. Yeah, 2013, 2014. That's at the second time in front of the Court of Appeals. This was one subsection of it, um, but when they abolished the team again in 2016, 2017, in that time period, we filed another ULP separate just based upon that. We were trying to hold that in abeyance, for the Court of Appeals, but they just keep bouncing that case back and forth. So we did a separate one just on that. Okay, so while we're here, we're talking about the dive team. 
Uh, when when did this second or this the second time in front of the Court of Appeals happen? Was it last for month? For the big ULP, that no, hasn't even happened yet. No, but this this is the most recent one. Was it last month? No, this was in front of the, just the administrative law judge. So okay. this is the AL, first AL. bite at the apple on this new dive team ULP. Okay. You don't have super high hopes from what it sounds Do like? Do not. I, mean, I wish our language and our contract was a little bit better, um, and but it's not. So, so he can take note on that for the next negotiations. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as I talk about the Port of Portland, well, I'll just move into that next. Um, <laughs> you know, so I think that we probably have a 25% chance of winning on the dive team ULP, but it's a significant thing. I think that one of the retirees that we talked to, mm-hmm. the impact on his pension was pretty significant. And so we believe that if we do win that, we would come back to the bargaining table and at least, you know, the pension calculations would be something that would be important for okay. us to talk about okay so last we'll move on one second so basically the, the major impacts from that wouldn't it wouldn't be to reestablish a dive team but it would be to reinstate the, the uh, financial impacts of removing it to the people who are part of it and may have retired is that is that yeah. accurate okay. and most likely the judge would if we do win it the judge would just say you need to go and bargain those impacts right now oh. so <clears throat> it would just be an open table of okay what can we do and what okay. what would happen so all right Speaking of language changes and problematic language, the Port of Portland, uh, we did finish their Senate Bill 1049. That's the PERS changes. And so we did finish that arbitration about a week ago, week and a half ago. Okay, and I'm going to just interrupt real quick just to flesh that out a little bit. No, I'm not sure everybody knows about that, just that the port had a separate arbitration. It was a grievance arbitration. Um, that Essentially that the port, they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't negotiate the impacts of that PERS IAP redirect. That's correct. And so that, that they filed that probably around the same time, well, several months ago, and that actually just happened. It was a one-day arbitration. One-day arbitration. Okay, continue. And so that was, and again, we represent the Port of Portland, the 42 members out there, give or take, right around there. And that, unfortunately, their language and their contract, it specifically says that the port will put 6% of the employee's mm-hmm salary into the IAP or right. not into the IAP, but to PERS. And so technically they are still doing it. That's the problem with their language. And then they have some reopener language. that's also problematic. Their maintenance of standards clause is not as strong as the city's. And so again, it's such a significant issue. We, th- it's an uphill battle on trying to win that one, but it was important to do so because we will know whether that language is continuing to be problematic in the future. And then Dave and the crew out there will know that we need to bargain that language out. It's been in place before tier two was even established. So it's time to update that language. Again, 25% chance of winning on that arbitration. And the language you're talking about is maintenance of standards language or more so the 6% IAP language or, or both? Both of them. Okay. Definitely both of them. Huh. And uh, it's hard because, I mean, when you go to a contract, you talk about, you know, we've had a ton of changes in the city contract. We went from 27 articles, you know, a couple contracts, and we're up to 36. So we have, right. we have definitely molded that clay, um, you know, with the Kelly days the port's been getting and all that stuff. It's, it's time to look at some language changes in those contracts, Understood. both contracts, actually. Um, would you consider their language about the 6% contribution substantially different? than our current uh, language with the city? Very much so. Good, okay. Yep, and so, and that's what's important is as we go, you didn't want something that would be, uh, cause bad precedents 
between other arbitrations. And so that one will not cause anybody else to uh, be hurt if they take it to arbitration as well. Right, because it was a grievance arbitration. Not grievance a, arbitration not based a, on language. Not an interest arbitration. Yep, on theirs. Which I recently learned is very different. Yep. Awesome. Okay, so we've got some information on the dive team and the port, the PERS IEP um, arbitration. Where do you want to go next? Yeah, and so Station 23, we did not have to go to a hearing for that unfair labor practice. We actually made a resolution with Sarah and the city that says they will apply for funding to bring back the positions on B-Shift to make it a four-person company. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is they actually went over the top of that and put in four to make all the positions there, uh, bring them up to four-person staffing on all the shifts. So we have not heard back, but we felt like that was a reasonable resolution to that unfair labor practice. Yeah. Would that change our 165 on duty per day? It would. Um, it, but it would also say that when we lose that funding two years from now, that we wouldn't grieve that in the future. Oh, understood. Yeah. Okay. And in Salem, I just give this brief update as we uh -huh. have been working really hard down there as well. Definitely weird with it being all virtual. Mm -hmm. um, heart and lung bill is moving well. It's Good. made it all the way out of the house. Mm -hmm. It is moving to the Senate. It had its first committee hearing. Uh, it needs to be heard one more time in there, and then it would go to the floor. We cannot have people walk out. That would be devastating, uh, again, if that died because people are walking out of the Capitol again. Is there an uh, avenue for us to contact our reps, those people who live in Oregon? Do we have any uh, anything set up for that? Uh, not right now. We don't need to at this point yet. Okay. Um, I think that as, as you know, we've still got two months left, just under two months okay. for, for it to go. And all we need is the Senate to stay in session. Um, that's all. I mean, it passed out of the House 59 to 1, and one person from Medford okay. voted no. Okay. So this thing is greased and ready to go. We just need them to stay and do business. Okay. All right. Let's circle back. I realized when I started this conversation, when you're talking about schedule, I was thinking of the schedule change, but you were just talking about the schedule for yeah. 2021. And we started talking a little bit, I think, about the budget. Um, can we get in that discussion a little bit now? Or do you want to keep... Is that okay? I sure. Know. I mean, or we can go into, you know, we did have a member that filed a duty of fair representation okay. against us. Okay. Uh, that was a three-day hearing. That mm -hmm. did get finished up as well. And so a significant amount of workload uh, to be able to do that and complete that, and that's done. Um, uh, and that just finished up recently as well? Yep, that finished up okay. as well. Okay. So some of the schedule is clearing up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, what's great, and I don't know if you're anybody out there is Lord of the Rings nerd, but, you know, for, for me, it feels like we had to get through all these significant things. Mm -hmm. We still have the budget going on. Mm -hmm. We still have the heart and lung bill, mm -hmm. you know, which is going to take a significant amount of time. But really, the eye of, eye of Sauron is on the PERS arbitration for Local 43 and for the city members. And I feel really, really good about having my schedule and our schedule open up mm -hmm. a little bit so that we can really focus on that next. Got um, it. So the ring, using this analogy, is the PERS IP redirect. That's right. And the I is on that ring. That's right. Sorry, I had to go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. What's been awesome about that one is that we have been working on that for a year. <sighs> yeah. And we went through negotiations. The city still hasn't given us one a proposal and we don't expect them to uh, we have definitely gotten our all of our decks are in a row 
I mm-hmm. mean, it's we had another planning meeting early this week, and obviously you were there. I was there, and it's we set up our weekly schedule for check-ins and do this and this and this. But almost everything's already done. Our comp work's already done. I mean, we've been spending eight months getting all of our comps done. The international is done with our uh, pension analysis. Mm-hmm. It's just super exciting to have everything ready to go and just kind of checking and going. Okay, here's just this, here's this, here's this. It's minor stuff that we're working on right now. The bulk of the work has all been completed. I do feel good about that. I'm good that we're on track uh, with our our timeline. It's definitely one of those things. Like when I think about it coming down the road, it's been so many, so many months in the making. There's a little bit of anxiety about it. Is is everything ready? And there are some tasks yet for us to to, to complete. They're not large, but I do, I think we're going to be, High tight and ready for that one for sure. Um, it's going to be like I think I said this in the last podcast when I brought up. It's just going to be a really interesting um, arbitration. I can't say I'm really looking forward to it, but I'm kind of looking forward to it. I want to get through it and I want to win it. Yep. Yeah. Every other bargaining unit is lost except Salem, and we are trying to be number two in being able to say that we deserve this through interest arbitration. Right. We have a good argument. And thanks for everybody that's actually worked on it. Kyle, you've done a lot of work. I mean, Brian Dundon, John Davies, everybody that's helped work on that committee. Um, thank you so much for getting all the legwork done and getting this ready to go. I know how significant it is to our membership. I would piggyback on that as well. I think uh, Chris Rydell has helped quite a bit as oh, well in the you. background. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Um, okay. Schedule change? <sighs> Let's talk just briefly about the schedule. Do you change. want to? Sure. Okay. And, and then again, this is where I'm not taking credit for work that I haven't done, but Travis and that committee has done a ton of work. Yeah. They did the work that needed to be done. The city could not commit to a start date yet. And so um, they ended up talking back and forth and they came up with March of 2022. So about 10 months from now, we will, we will start that schedule change. Um, and disappointing. I mean, I, Obviously, I mean, Travis and me and Lance Marshall made the schedule, and I can't tell you how disappointed it is to hear Eugene start the Portland schedule, and all these places started, and it's just like, are you joking me? But, you know, this is a marathon, it's not a sprint, and we will get there, and it looks like it's going to be March of next year that that starts. I think I've seen those calendars floating around that have the the start date on there. Yep. I think so. Okay. All right, so... Let's talk about the budget a little bit. Budget. The memo from the chief came out last week, I believe, and um, no close, no no uh, closing of stations, no no layoffs. There are six non-sworn positions that are being eliminated. They're unfilled. Um, Why well, I just you know I think probably most people know about that, but I'll just sort of throw that in your lap and I see what's your overall feelings about how the budget worked out. I know you guys, you, like you mentioned earlier. We're working on it starting back in November. Um, I know there was a fairly considerable media push, both from this office and also from a lot of, from the membership, maybe sending in letters and so forth. But uh, that's my intro. I'll pass it back to you. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, and starting about the positions that we're giving back is, you know, we represent the, the members that are part of Local 43, but I can't tell you enough how much the support positions also mean to us. Mm-hmm. And whether it be the electrician or the EAP coordinator, mm-hmm. I can tell you they, they are very significant. And when you talk about mental health, to have that EAP coordinator position cut right now, 
the timing couldn't be worse. Now, there's some other federal dollars that we can do to apply to get a position back, um, but it's pretty significant when we have seen uh, the mental health of our members and sometimes going up and down and needing support. It seems pretty crazy that we're moving in the wrong direction. Yeah, and the Portland Police Bureau has a full-time employee, FTE, sworn member in that position. And we had a half-time non-sworn, and now we have a zero. Right. Uh, it's it's not insignificant. No. It's it's something that could have an impact, um, and it's something that then that workload gets pushed down. Right. And you know, Chief Durr is the one who's having to shoulder some of that, among many other things. So, right. uh, it's a position that needs needs to be filled among the other ones. I don't know a lot about the other support staff. I've seen the list of the six positions, electrician and a couple other, uh, they're not filled, but they're needed. Yeah. I mean, you look at Walton Valley or Clackamas and, um, there's a number of support positions. Oh, well, I think it's excessive, so I'll, I will say that. But um, when you see it, their type of support systems, they have somebody that when they rolled out new radios, they'd have four people working on a project. If they were going to run out a new MDT project, they'd have three or four people working on it versus trying to make the liaison that's already got a workload try and roll something out. So right. we have definitely been cut too deep into our administration support, but you know, it's also, you can't let the frontline staffing go. But I would say this on the budget is I've always been optimistic about this budget. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that this was one that we would be cutting on. Prepare for the worst and hope for the best. That's right. always been what I've done when I've been union president. And yeah, I am very, very happy with where the budget landed. I think that it was a significant budget. <clears throat> very happy and thankful for Isaac McLennan, uh -huh. who's worked very, very hard on this. And with Christine Miles, who uh -huh. is our media person. We started meeting in November of last year and had standing meetings to be able to prepare for this budget. So I would say this is one of the most prepared budgets I have been for, especially for a cut year in a long time. Speaking of Isaac, I know he sent out a number of text, emails, so forth, uh, with <coughs> information for people to contact city council, mayor, and so forth. Do we have any sense of the effect or the numbers or how did that, how did that campaign work? And is there more work to be done? Uh, yeah, it was very, very effective, and this is a good example of where we might not have the same role as the Fire Bureau, but maybe some of the work that we do is parallel with them. Mm -hmm. And so this is one that we get our feet dirty, get into the media, and let Sarah and their team be clean, mm -hmm. um, and it worked out great. Everybody that sent all the messages, uh, CAP, uh, Madia mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. being on the radio and being yeah. on TV is awesome. Yeah. Um, and w it had the effect that we needed to. And they even said uh, that the UAP provost, or I don't even know what his name was, yeah. wrote and supported the fire department. Fantastic. And so it, it's exactly what we wanted it to do. And But the work's not done. I mean, the mayor's budget is great. But there's two things that we still need to do is one, he did put a budget note in there to remove the RRVs in oh, 2024. I, I didn't know that. And so it says that the RRVs will be removed from the base budget at that point. So we, what we're trying to do is as we contact council, it's a pretty simple message and we're going to ask our members to keep mm -hmm. doing this. One, everybody that did contact city hall and put mm -hmm. it on Facebook and push it out. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That was amazing. We just have to do the final push. So number two, continue to push and the message is going to be simple accept the mayor's budget as is for the fire department with the permanent funding remove the budget note 
that requires the RRVs to be done to take it out in 24. So if they're being taken out allegedly in 2024, are they, are they in ongoing funding currently? Or are they? Yes. Okay. Yep. And so in two more budget cycles, so they'll be in there next year. Mm-hmm. But then the year after is when that fight's going to be on. And what's good is that, you know, they kind of played their cards a little bit and Isaac and me and we're like, okay, perfect. Now we're going to restart the GIS uh, study at the international right. internationals now working on our staffing study for us. And now that'll be done in five or six months and that'll be ready to go. Um, and so really that's the only other thing that we're asking for. And then the trick is, is that, uh, they're also looking at permanent funding for the rapid response, or I'm sorry, with the Portland street response program. Right. Oh, that's, is that one time currently? And so that's not fully funded okay. is what the complaint is. Okay. And so Joanne Hardesty is pushing for that, but what we can't have it do is take away our permanent funding. No. So they don't always have to be at odds for funding. Right. Um, and there is a push to try and fund them more. We are trying to not have it be that we would get cut to do that. And so that's the two messages that we are we are pushing for the final little bit here. If you know, can you remind me what was the number of the federal money that came coming to the city, the ARP money? Yeah, so it's $220 million over two years. Okay. So uh, $110 this year. He spent... The mayor only spent thirty million of it in his base budget, and so there's still another eighty million left to spend in that money. Really? Yeah. Um, and without getting too much into the weeds, do you know what sort of restrictions? Or I know, it may not be directly to the general fund, but what sort of restrictions are on that money? So that'll come out May 10th from the Treasury. Okay. But I know that it's a little bit wider than what we want. I know that you can even use it for like water infrastructure or okay. different stuff. But I think that they were looking holistically on going, not Portland used on water infrastructure. They're looking at Flint, Michigan, and some that have significant water systems. So you can use it on a wide range of things. Okay. But absolutely, it's meant to also keep people working and to keep boots on the ground. Great. Okay. Awesome. And so for the budget, I think that the other significant impact for us is that, uh, one, uh, what an awesome thing is that we didn't have to open up our contract again. Mm-hmm. And the city came back and said, okay, we're not going to screw with the fire department. They had a two-year concession package. They've mm-hmm. already done what they needed to do. Mm-hmm. We are not going to ask them to do anything more. And so we get the cost of living July 1st. It's about 1.6%. The other thing is we get merit increases, and so if you're at a step in your progression, you get that. Everything you continues. mean like longevity and longevity, everything. But if like you are a two-year lieutenant, you oh, get a three-year lieutenant. I, of course, of course. DCTU and them do not, and that's unfortunate. And unfortunately, it's all tied to the police contract as well. And so for the second year in a row, non-reps will be getting no cost of living right. adjustment. Um, DCTU is bargaining and they have said they're not going to get the cost of living really because well because the city's going to try and take it to the cops and so unless they're not going to give it to everybody else unless they can try and take away from the cops so, so unfortunately we can, we can see that trickling down to us in 2023 you know in in the future you know and as we finish this budget it really makes me excited about next year's budget and the reopener language mm-hmm. I get a lot of questions about that that yeah. has to be five percent plus or minus the Cal target for next year. Mm-hmm. And so if we're at $120 million budget, a 5% cut, you know, you're looking at what, $7 million. Mm-hmm. So right now this year they were asking us to take a 5% cut or I'm sorry, a, 
you know, $5.5 million cut, mm-hmm. you know, and 5%. And so next year, I don't think that budget's going to be anywhere near that. I think right. that this is going to be a, a cut year, a stabilization year. Next year is going to be a stabilization year. And the general fund will probably be pretty close to what it is. When I looked at the number, it looks like the general fund actually grew $2 million from last year. Hmm. So I feel really optimistic about us going to a 50.4 hour work week next year. Um, and those are the numbers that we wanted to. Everything really has lined out quite well, although it's been stressful. Yes, it uh, has. The, the, they have definitely been working out. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there anything else you want to add about the budget or can you go ahead and hit the last topic here? No, that's it. Okay. So the only last thing I have on my list was maybe an update. This is going to sound like a broken record, but here we go. Mandatory overtime. I'm Where not familiar with that. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are very close. I think that that is um, uh, significant that we have waited for a couple people on the administration to retire. Right. They have retired. We had an all-day labor management summit, and this was one of the biggest topics that we had was to open up the mandatory overtime. And I think that we have gone back and forth uh, the administration has given us their last copy. It was a couple days ago. Uh-huh. We've looked at that. And so we'll be going more in depth on Monday on that to show it. But they've left some of the key things in there. They have said we can work out a class, which is the non-starter for us. If they were going to try and take that, we were going to just have to push it to arbitration or to next mm-hmm. negotiations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they said we are fine working out a class. They understand they would have to bargain that away. But they've said we don't want BCs working down as a firefighter. Okay, you know, which is fine. It's they don't do it now, and our response back is going to be that's fine. But when there's a Kelly relief position and you have an extra BC, you have to keep them as a BC. So I think that's a really uh, good settlement, and we'll see what they say on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, our board has been pretty uh, adamant that they want to count the number of mandatory overtimes that's happened since Crusent. Oh. The administration didn't want to do that, right? But um, I think that is details is that a really a sticking point i mean if that's the last item on the table no no and so i do see that we would have this in place by june 1st um which which is what i think will happen and so is it set up there's essentially going to be an algorithm they're going to walk down okay yeah i can tell you we will not uh this will go back to the call shift committee when we made the decision and everything's top up. So I'm mm-hmm. the one that okayed the May 1st reset day. Mm-hmm. So really it's me and Sarah's fault, but on a Saturday, <laughs> that was not a good idea. Right. So you're going to see those reset days. That's going to have to be molded in the clay so that it's going to have to be midweek. Right. When staffing, when you have the staffing people because there, the first Wednesday in May, whatever time. it would be, yeah. you know, and then you do it on a, where the, it's not a transfer day, you know? So, I mean, there's a better way to do it. And what's good is with issues, you find the solutions. And then about a week and a half ago, we had a member that was on approved vacation from noon on. They came in because they had their NFPA physical. So awesome. Yeah. Come in for work, mm-hmm. do it, then take vacation. And the administration said, well, we're just going to deny the vacation. And what's great about that is that it identified that what are you going to do to mandatory somebody from home? And so that's another topic that came up, and it's like, okay, these are the problems we have to we have to figure out. Um, Do you know what the solution to that question was? I think that uh, Cameron Holman came up with a good one, and it's just, okay, you're mandatory for the full shift. So the city would have to eat the four hours. 
Um, and that's a very reasonable one because then nobody's going home or before they leave, you call them and say, you are mandatory tonight from 8 PM on and going from there. Hmm. Um, so really there's three options. Uh So you can tell that person you can cancel their vacation, which is illegal. It's uh, against the contract. So that's not an option. And you were talking at a four-hour vacation slot? No, it was a 20-hour vacation from noon. Oh, work. oh I got you. And it was, was approved. So 35 okay. people are left or off. It's approved for the okay. contract. Okay, now I'm catching up. So you can do that. Which For me, it's not an option. You can run short. Not, a, to, not, not, not an a, option again. No. Or third, you can mandatory from home, which is the option. And so... Um, you know, what do we do when somebody goes home sick at four o'clock? What do we do? We, this union is supportive of mandatory people from home Mm -hmm. so that we don't run short and that we don't cancel vacations. But how we've talked about that solution of uh, uh, mandatory somebody for a full 24. How could you do that? Because you, that person's vacation doesn't start till noon. Would you just have somebody mandatory, have five person till noon? Just run five person till noon, you know, but I think that we will, come up you're gonna have to come up with it because if there's a 10 hour or 12 hour vacation at 8 p.m on the city's not gonna want to run heavy they're not gonna want to run heavy at all it's a wonky solution it's a wonky solution but it's you know it is and i guess the point of it is we are going to have issues with the mandatory overtime policy because we're starting a brand new policy no matter we will continue just like crew sense uh, that's probably a bad analogy (laughs) but there's going to be bumps in the road sure until we get it right are you able to build a re, uh, reopener or a revisiting into the policy? Like, okay, that this will be revisited in six months and again yep. in 12 months to, yep. to tweak? Yep. Okay. Yep. And I think there's other stand, uh, things that are going to change. I mean, what we've heard and what the call shift committee and Garrison have kind of talked about is, okay, can we go back to filling your own partials if all the travelers are gone? You know, so I think those are to be things. Those are good conversations. They're ones that I would be supportive of. Uh, you know, if there's travelers available, you don't. But if it's, you know, 10 days out and you want to take vacation, you got to mm-hmm. find your own replacement. I mm-hmm. would be supportive of that because it's really, it's those partials that are killing us. And what does the administration say to that? Uh, we have not floated that back, but I would imagine they would love it because they wouldn't have to fill them. It just surprises me that they've never brought it up from their side. They've never once from their side brought that up. Is, no, seems like get, an easy one. So get it. there's a lot of those conversations still going on. Um, but that's been a significant workload um, in working on that mandatory overtime policy for, for the people involved. And pretty excited looking at June 1st and probably getting that done. Awesome. All right. So I think we're just pushing a little bit past that 30-minute mark we were shooting for. Um, do you have any closing remarks or anything? No, thanks for joining us. I would say the one thing we do need your support on is to finish out the budget. So mm-hmm. everybody that's helped uh, get it to the 99-yard line, yeah. thank you. We are going to ask you to do one more push to council. Very basic. All I need is the members to c- continue to push and go. Permanent funding, take away that budget note. Mm-hmm. How the heck do you say I'm going to take away the RRVs and then spend 250000 on a study whether you need them or not. That is so government backwards, I can't yes. tell you. And so that's our message to council is, do the study, then figure out if we don't need them. Because those four RRVs, that's the truck company at Station 8 right. and the truck company at Twos. Right. So that is two four-person companies, and we're not going to go down and just let them take them. So Understood. help us on that final push. More Understood. information to follow in the next week or two, but it's been a... Busy start to the year. It's a few months. And um, 
at the end of June. That'll be the purse arbitration, mm -hmm. and we'll continue moving. So thanks, Great. everybody, for your support. Appreciate it. Thank you so much.